1: G.R. French was known as one of the most gifted expositors of the word. He preached this sermon in 2007
0: at Midwest Pilgrim Hall in his camp meeting in Frankfort, Indiana. He titles this sermon,
1: The Doctrine of Devils. I know you will enjoy this excellent message. keep
0: passing it keep passing it on, keep passing it on. Keep passing it on. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for thy goodness. We thank you this morning for the blessings from on high, for the consciousness of thy presence, for the the indwelling and outworking of the blessed Holy Spirit. Thou art here. Oh, God, do thy work this morning. Give us open hearts. Give us understanding hearts. Give us obedient hearts this morning. That, Lord, we may have thy direction. That we may have thy power. That we may have thy wisdom to, do, to go back to our places of labor, our homes, our churches, fired up. Empowered by the Holy Ghost and able to do what you want us to do. Oh, grant to us that, Lord, we shall not go home the same as when we came. But, Lord, do thy work in our midst this morning, we pray. Have thy way and we shall give thee the praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen well, my topic doesn't exactly fit in with the spirit of the service so far this morning, and yet perhaps it does my my I, I want to talk with you this morning about the doctrine of devils <laughs> But, the very, but one of the things the devil does not want is for people to praise the Lord. You can mark that down. That's one of his objectives. Is to get people so soured with one another and fighting and fussing with one another and critical of one another and looking down their nose at each other till they, till they lose the blessing and lose the glory and lose the power. And they become subject to the deceitfulness of sin and of Satan. So let's look this morning for a few moments at some of the scriptures that deal with the doctrine of devils. Do you know what the doctrines of devils are? If you don't, you're not being scriptural because... Paul said that we need to know what the doctrines of devils are in order that we might avoid them. And there are a number of scriptures that deal with these. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 we have a brief passage. We'll read the first three verses and that's about all that Paul uses to to deal directly with this subject. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Let's look at some other scriptures and then we'll come back to this one. In Luke chapter 4 verse 5, and the devil taking him, that is Jesus, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. I don't profess to be able to explain how, the, how Satan could lead Jesus to the top of a mountain to tempt him. Now, I, I am not saying that Satan overpowered Christ or has greater power than Jesus, not by any means. I, the only thing I can say about this is that Jesus, in his human form, taking upon himself our humanity, yielded himself to the same situations that you and I face. And we face the temptations of Satan. And so Jesus demonstrated how to overcome the temptations of Satan. He did not yield in one iota. He did not sin. Verse 6 says, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Now that was a flat lie. But it's surprising how many people Satan deceives. And cause them to believe that if they will just follow him, he'll make them happy. You come with me. You don't go with that crowd, that pilgrim crowd. You come with me. I'll make you happy. They'll take away your freedom, your liberty. I'll give you liberty. You'd be surprised. Well, maybe you wouldn't be surprised how many people listen to the seduction of Satan. Go down to Luke chapter 8, verse 12. It's interesting that Luke has a great deal to say about the devil and about Satan. Luke 8, verse 12, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. People that hear the sound of the gospel, and if you follow through on the parable of the sower, you'll see that all of them initially received it with joy. That sounds good. But it's one thing to have a sentiment of religion. It's another thing to have the commitment of salvation to follow through on what we admit to be true. And if we do not follow through on it, what happens? Satan catches away the truth, deceives us, and we fall into his snares. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. In other words, at one time he had the truth. At one time he lived in the circle of God's glory. But he did not abide in the truth. We need to take heed, my dear friends. Peter and Jude both used this fall of Satan to warn us if Satan that bright and glorious angel that lived in the presence of God could fall beware lest ye also fall what a solemn word that is John 13 2 and supper being ended the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, entered into Judas, and Judas went out to betray Jesus. Fiddled around, fooled around, apparently with his lust for money, put that ahead of Christ, and discovered in the end that he would do anything, even betray Christ for a little more money. That's what you call the love of money that deceives so many people. There's one more in John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not, that is for no other purpose than to steal To kill and to destroy. And that's in contrast to Christ who comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. What a contrast. Jesus came entirely for a positive purpose to give us life. Satan comes for nothing but a negative person to destroy. Everything he possibly can. That is the very nature of Satan and his purpose in the world today. Since he cannot pull God off his throne, and he knows he cannot. Since he cannot pull God off his throne, the only way that he can vent his hatred against God is to destroy the working of God in the hearts and lives of people. How sad it is that so many around us and beware lest we also, my dear friends, yield to his effort to cause us to turn our back on the Son of God who died for us and to become an agent against the God who loved us. Well, I would like for you to to look briefly at the passage in Timothy, just those first three verses, we'll do just a very brief little scripture reading. Back in the early days of the camp meeting movement that was often a feature of the camp meeting were scripture readings during the day and we'll do a very brief little scripture reading. Notice here. There will be a great or a falling away from the faith in the last days. And that's what these first five verses are all about. Notice here that the Spirit himself is the one who predicts this. Paul says, now the Spirit speaketh. He is the highest authority. The living Spirit Gave us the word of God. And they are of equal authority. The written word and the word of the spirit. They're not different. They are the same. It is the Holy Spirit that inspired this book. We have it. It is the word of God. The most precious thing. The only material object that God left. His people in the world today. The temple is destroyed. The Ark of the Covenant cannot be found. There's nothing except shambles in the Holy Land. But God left his people a book. And in that book are the words of God. This came to a young man whose last name was Green. One day, and he was struck with awe, these are the words of God. If these are the words of God, then I will give my life to studying those words. And he designed a program for himself, 15 years to study the word of God. 15 years to teach them and 15 years to write. And that's exactly what he did. He learned not only Greek and Hebrew. He learned every language in the Far East. He learned everything he could to understand the Word of God and became a great scholar of the Word and a defender of the Word of God. Oh, dear friends, how so many professing Christians neglect God's word. The psalmist said, Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God. Are you hiding it in your heart? Are you studying it daily? Is it your light? Is it your? This is one of the two greatest weapons we have against Satan. Well, let's go. The spirit has spoken, the highest authority. He has warned about apostasy in the last days. And he said, some will depart from the faith. That is abandon the faith. That's what apostasy is. It's turning from the faith. And he's warned us about this, the danger of being led away from the faith faith in this book. In verse 1 he says the spirit has spoken expressly that is explicitly pointedly clearly he's made it clear to us not only has he made it clear but he says in the latter times that's what he's spoken clearly about in the latter times Certain things will happen. And what he shows us is the path from the revelation of God to the deception of demons. He shows us, the Spirit has shown us, the path that leads from a confidence and a faith in the word of God to the dominion of Satan. Now, why did he show us that? He showed it to us so we could avoid it. The problem is, I have discovered in my own life, and I believe it's universal, that for Christians, Satan generally tempts us with something that looks right and good in the beginning. Now you think about it. Follow it in your own life. The the temptation comes as something that looks so right, so good. But if you follow down that rabbit trail you'll soon discover where it leads. Now you don't need, however, to do your own exploring. The Spirit has shown us the rabbit trails that lead off the highway of holiness and down, down to the pit of hell. And that's what Paul is saying here. And that's what he's doing the spirit has spoken expressly clearly pointed concerning the latter times and that in the latter times satan will be especially furious and active in deceiving people with his with deceitful spirits here notice here in verse 2 Speaking lies in hypocrisy. He knows full well they're not true. And if you are careful, you'll see that same thing. But speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. How in the world did that happen? By disobedience. All you have to do is is just run through the red light time after time after time. And pretty soon, you won't pay any attention to this. No problem at all. Your conscience will become seared. Now, he goes on to say something strange. In verse 3, he says, They will forbid to marry. And command to abstain from meats. Sausage. <laughs> did, you have, did you eat your sausage for breakfast? <laughs> and to be res, wh- Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Did you eat your sausage with thanksgiving or with guilt this morning? My sister and her husband, I'm, I'm quite sure nobody here would know anything about the church or the pastor, and I don't want you to know, but they were called to a meeting, and the pastor and his wife were vegetarians. They only ate veg- vegetables. But they didn't tell my sister and her husband. My sister and her husband fast. Frequently and systematically, they are as disciplined and as godly as anybody I know. They pray as much or more than anybody else I know. They are godly people. But they receive their meat with thanksgiving. <laughs> And they're not used to eating only vegetables. And if you're not used to eating only vegetables, it's going to take you a little while to get used to it. (laughs) Right? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to be a vegetarian. By the way, if vegetarians eat vegetables, what do humanitarians eat? (laughs) But they had vegetables. For the first meal, second meal, third meal, so on. <laughs> I shouldn't be telling you this. But one night, my sister said to my... And they don't stop it. They don't eat fast foods. But they slipped out to McDonald's and got a hamburger. <laughs> they, were, they were getting weak. <laughs> now... Why in the world, and in a few moments you're going to see how contrary this appears, why in the world would those who teach demonic doctrines forbid to marry and forbid to eat meats? You know what you want to know my answer? I don't know <laughs> no, the it's something along this line. It's in the area of control. You know, there is something about denial that gives a spiritual aura about it. That is, it makes you look spiritual whether you are or not. Did you know many false religions deny meats and deny marriage and deny other things? Why? It's a way to control people. You know the story about Jim Jones. What staggers me utterly, and I read the 500-page book that the reporter who was down there when they finally killed, the, when 900 people committed suicide together, And the, 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 it, what is so staggering is why mothers would take their little babies and feed them that poisoned Kool-Aid and then take it themselves. Over and over, they watched others do it, saw them lying on the floor, Thrashing around and carrying around, marched up and did the same thing. How could that ever happen? Because Jim Jones had systematically taken away their ability to make decisions under God. And they were left helpless under the iron control of a demon-possessed man who led nearly 1,000 people to commit suicide. They didn't shoot them. They marched up there and took the poison Kool-Aid themselves. One mother lived, these people were out in the jungle. They lived in the jungle camp there was one mother who was sort of a liaison with the government that lived in town. And when she heard that it was happening, for they expected it to happen, because they were going to the happy hunting ground. That's not what they called it. But he had told them that they'll go to a better place. And when she heard that that time had come, she, her children were larger, but he caught them. She caught them. And with her own butcher knife, slit their throats and then killed herself. How do you get to that point? <clears throat> what I've said is too horrible to mention on a beautiful morning like this. It kept meeting. But, I'm, but it's the fact and we need to see what the devil can do once you start following him. And Jim Jones had systematically, little by little, he started as a preacher of the gospel, at least to a certain extent. He certainly wasn't the demon-possessed man he ended up to be. But little by little, Rejecting God's word, listening to man in place of God's word. Until you lose your ability to make decisions according to God's word. The Bible is very strong. In fact, this whole thing is about obedience to God. Obedience and uh, obedience to Paul the apostle of God. I'm not in any sense preaching disobedience. But friends, the person who is spirit-filled and Bible-taught can stand before kings with gaping lions and flaming fire and say no to the king and yes to God. Amen. Amen. Many martyrs have laid down their lives. Old Polycarp said, I only pray that the lions will eat me thoroughly so that you will not have to bother with my body. I don't want to be a bother to anybody when I'm gone. <laughs> they were brave people. They could stand before kings without Bowing. Daniel set the pattern and thousands, perhaps millions have followed after. Even today many Christians are laying down their lives. but it's not a disobedience that is proud, it's a disobedience, I mean it's an obe- disobedience to the king under the obedience of God with humility and with simplicity now let's now ask just uh, a question about what demonology or satanology teaches today i want to make this relevant for today what does demonology what do the demons teach what do devils teach well, there's a simple little formula that explains why satanology or satanic doctrine is attractive to people today. Simple little three-point reason reasoning. It goes like this. God, some demand, God commands self-denial and has established laws to restrict you. Therefore, God is negative. Satan gives you freedom to fulfill yourself in any way you want to. Freedom, liberty is what Satan offers. Liberty without restriction. Therefore, Satan is your friend. Therefore, follow him. He will help you fulfill yourself. He will give you the liberty you're looking for. And in the end, he will give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. You see the formula? Very simple. God restricts you. Look at all the laws. Have you ever heard religious people talk that way? I have. Many times. People chafe against God's law. And here comes along somebody, and most often it doesn't come under the brand of Satanism or demonology, or the doctrine of Satan. They just come along and say, oh, you don't have to put up with that. No, 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 no. You, there's, there's liberty out there. You know something, there are some professional counselors in our area in Florida that some people have been to. And you know the first thing some of them say Number one, you need to get out of that place. Speaking of our college, our campus, our church, you need to get out of that place. Why? Because until you get rid of all of those taboos, you will not have the freedom you need to be the person You need to be. That's a very common attitude. Very common attitude. And it sounds so appealing, does it not? I mean to the natural ear. Do away with the things that inhibit you so that you can fulfill yourself to the fullest. Attractive, isn't it? Now, I did a little reading in the Satanic Bible. I don't recommend it. I did it prayerfully. I did it carefully, praying that God would protect me from any anything that and 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 I hid it. I hid it so well I couldn't find it myself later on. I didn't want anybody messing around with you. But in the Satanic Bible, this statement is made. Satanism can be summed up in this one statement. Satan invites you to indulge yourself. Indulge your desires. For that is the only way you will fulfill yourself. Your desires are given you to indulge, to enjoy. And that's the only way to fulfill yourself. If you deny them, you end up frustrated and so on and so on and so on. Now, is that being followed? Absolutely. Listen to the Lyrics of the songs being sung to our young people today. No, you haven't done it, so you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Talk to some of the young people. Read some of the lyrics your young people are. A lady said to us the other day that some kids 10 years old Their computer had broken down, and so they came over to her house and asked if they could use her computer to download some songs. And she said, when I heard what they were downloading, I could not believe myself. The raunchiest, dirtiest, demon-possessed songs you could imagine for ten years old children. Is demonology existing today? Absolutely. It's all around us. And it's influencing our young people. And because of this most people who follow the teaching of Satan would never actually worship Satan. In fact they would deny that they are following Satan. Now, many will, but not not everybody. This is where the deception comes in. Satan generally dresses up his teaching in more acceptable clothing. He comes as an angel of light, speaking softly and soothingly. He appeals to your desire for freedom, independence, beauty, wisdom, and the necessities of life. He cleverly leads a person from things that are necessary and good to things that are intended to be used carefully and only under God's prescription. He confuses beauty, which God approves, with vanity and self-glorifying pride. He confuses wisdom, which comes from God, with sophistry and clever reasoning based upon short-term results. He confuses freedom with unrestricted indulgence. No one can be perfectly free. I wish we could get that across to young people, especially to everybody. Nobody can be perfectly free. And the rage toward perfect freedom. Don't fence me in. Don't try to tell me what to do. I'll do as I please. I heard a little story about a boy, the son of a preacher, who was, had gotten uh, into this mentality and so on. And there was a visiting preacher who was very good in his counseling and work with young people. And the preacher asked, pastor asked him if he would talk to his teenage boy. And he said, yes, I'd be glad to. And so he said to the boy, let's take a walk. And so they um, started walking off down the street. And he said, son, said, what do you want to do with your life? And the boy said, I don't know, but nobody else is going to tell me what to do. He said, But what do you want to do? Well, he said, Dad's not going to tell me what to do. Yeah, he said, I hear you, but what do you want to do? Well, he said, First, I want to join the Marines. <laughs> but nobody was going to tell him what to do. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's just an example of how kids fool themselves. Nobody's going to tell me what to do and walk right into a trap. <laughs> that take them under control. But the results are not benign. The ends thereof are the ways of death. Brilliant French philosopher by the name of Michael Falco, the most famous and the most brilliant they had in France. He was the pride of France. He was trying to discover the secret of life and of how to be fulfilled in life. And he decided that probably the best way to discover that was in San Francisco, down among the leather crowd. And that's where he went. In a few years, he contracted AIDS and died as a young man. Brilliant man. How can a brilliant man like that not see what a four-year-old should be able to see? And God has warned us against being led astray by our reasoning. Oh, there are so many examples of it. I just want to close by briefly going over some ways that Satan works today. Not many, I say, outright worship Satan, but many follow his reasoning. And there are several. One, he constru- I've already mentioned this, he encourages unrestricted liberty. It comes under the idea of choice. Ever heard it? Ever heard the free choice movement? Now, I believe in political freedom. I don't believe in coming under bondage of any one single individual. I believe in political freedom. I believe in moral freedom. I believe in spiritual freedom. But there is no such thing as absolute personal freedom. The only choice you have is which master you will serve. And this is the reason that Joshua challenges people and says, Choose God. For he is the only one that can give you the freedom, the greatest freedom, yet under those guidelines of life that will get you where you're going. I heard about a fella. one of us old fellows was driving down the highway and his wife had a cell phone. He had a cell phone. She called her and said, Honey... They're warning about a man that's driving the wrong way on the interstate. Yeah, he said, I noticed there are hundreds of them. <laughs> there are people driving the wrong way on the interstate of life and don't realize it. But if you don't observe the, uh, the, the uh, traffic laws, you ain't going to be around very long. They're there for our safety, they're there for our good, they're there to help you to get where you really want to go. And the same thing is true of the highway of life. There's no such thing as a road that doesn't have a line down the center of it, with stop signs and light and uh, traffic signals, etc. But they encourage unrestricted freedom. This applies particularly in Two areas that 20, 30, 40 years ago we would never have conceived of. We here in America had won our political freedom. Many other freedoms. The slaves had won their freedom. Freedom is one of our watchwords. But that's not enough for Satan. And so there was one last barrier, two, two last barriers that God had placed around us. And they said, we've got to get rid of those. We've got to have sexual freedom. Absolute sexual freedom. I won't go further with that, but one after another happened to make it possible for people to live like they wanted to with no restrictions. And they finally found absolute sexual freedom. And then age came along. And there's more down the road. The other one was the choice of when you die. The choice of suicide, death. After all, I'm in charge of my life. I ought to have the freedom to decide when I die so that I could die with dignity. As though dying as though suicide is dignity. Those two things. But that hasn't really satisfied people. You know one of the things that young people are experimenting with, and not only young people, but experimenting with, is dismemberment. I'm not happy with my body. I want to take this arm off. And believe it or not, There are those that are having a leg taken off or an arm taken. They're not happy with anything. I've got to have abs and they want the government to pay for it. Got to have our freedom. Friends, we lost this battle back. I don't mean about dismemberment, but we lost the sexual battle back when we lost modesty as a principle. And the church is primarily responsible for that. When we lost the gate of modesty, then all of the sexual freedoms came flooding in. And now we're struggling with the issue of gay marriage, same-sex marriage, and a whole lot of other things, transsexuality and things that of weird names that we can hardly grasp or understand. Why? We've got to be absolutely free. And it's inspired by Satan. Follow me and I will make you absolutely free. But the ways thereof are the ways of death. Oh, that we could get it across to our young people. The second thing, the first is to encourage the encouragement to unrestricted liberty. The second is encouragement toward materialism and worldliness as a substitute. Now, all of us have to deal with this material world. We'll never get away from it. Gnosticism tried to, and it's one of the heresies of the early church. Now, that's not what we're after, but we're after... Keeping it in its proper place. Not allowing money and things to become our God. The third is encouragement toward anti-Christianity. I'm a little unshockable I've been around and I read a lot. But I am shocked by the fury I'm hearing, even from young people, against the church, preachers, God, religion, anything to do with religion. I mean bitterness, I mean cursing and swearing. The problems in the Roman Catholic Church have not helped. Because many people don't make any distinction between Protestants and Catholics. They don't know the difference. Do you know how much the Catholic Church has already paid because of the uh, the, uh, sexual predatory priests in their midst? Over $1 billion dollars. Over $1 billion. You know how much a billion dollars? Anybody here have a billion dollars? You know how much a billion dollars is? It's a $1,000 million. Three dioceses. That's like your conference except much, much bigger. Three dioceses have already gone bankrupt in the Roman Catholic Church. You never thought that would happen here in America, would you? That is. Or that Anywhere. The Roman Catholic Church is a big outfit. But they had to come under our laws. Now, the problem, one of the problems, not the problem, but one of the problems is people don't make any distinction. As far as they're concerned, all preachers are like that. I read a statement just the other day, a cute saying that the Roman Catholic said that either 10 or 12% of the Roman Catholic priests were in jail. Well, that's not true. And what that does, they extrapolate that and go right over and say, and and in fact it was mentioned, that's true of all all the churches. You got 10% of your preachers in jail? (laughs) Now, there is a lot of sin going on Under the guise of religion. I know that. But the television preachers that fell into adultery and into problems didn't help us out any. And the problems in the Roman Catholic Church didn't help us out any. And religion is taking it right in the face with one blow right after another. That's not easy to deal with. But let me tell you this it ought to put us on our guard that we raise up a banner unstained in this present world to live clean and holy and righteously in this present world. Amen. Friends, be careful. Be careful. Be careful about pornography in every form. It's everywhere. Yes, it's on the internet. Yes, it's on, in the movies. Yes, it's in magazines. Yes, it's right down on the movie, It's everywhere. It's one of the primary things that's keeping uh, sin and crime alive, pornography. We live in a world that's where the, where the restrictions are down. It flows everywhere. Traveling in, the, in Russia and Eastern Europe, little kids, just little kids, selling hardcore pornography right out on the street corner, sickening. But it's here in the United States in a little different form. I'm saying it encourages anti-Christian, anti-God laws and attitudes. And I better quit with that. But I just want to mention one more. Goddess worship. Do you realize how popular goddess worship is becoming? Very popular. Choose your... Inner goddess and follow her. Speaking primarily to women. Or choose your goddess, Sophia, and follow her. And this is happening right in many of the some of the mainline churches. They have had, I'm not talking about an individual church, I'm talking about a conference-wide meeting. There was a group of several of the major denominations of the women's organization of those. And the whole meeting was given over to goddess worship. Just right straight out worshiping of Sophia and the goddesses. I'm telling you that Satan's influence is all around us. We need to be aware of it. Now, what do we do about it? Let me just simply say this, and we'll close. We need, Paul mentions two things primarily. They're not all, and I wanted to go further, but, but I'll just mention two. He said our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. No, they're not. They're not. But he said What? They are powerful to the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan. Did you know that? That we have something more powerful than Satan. That we have something more powerful than God's worship. We do. And he said the two primary weapons we have are prayer. And the word of God. The preached word of God. Amen. I'm encouraged by this. France and its revolution threw God out the window over 200 years ago. They're one of the primary ones that don't want the name of God or religion of any kind mentioned in the European Constitution. But lo and behold, what do you know? That under the radar, little churches, little groups of evangelicals are springing up all over that proud anti-God city. (laughs) I read a statement the other day that in New York City, a new church is being established every week. In New York City. Proud New York. They don't even want to admit that any of them of them are religious. By the way, I read this in the Wall Street Journal, and they were really yanking New York Times chain because New York doesn't, they don't talk about religion, but they were pointing out that hundreds of new little churches are springing all up all over that great city. God is at work. God is at work. God was at work in the Roman Empire. God is at work today in spite of what the devil's doing. Now, that doesn't mean he won't quit working, but it does mean that we can save a few more souls before Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant to us that we may be discerning in our day concerning the efforts of Satan to defeat and destroy everything you're doing. Help us especially to save our only children. Oh, Heavenly Father, awaken those that are headed the other direction and bring them, shock them, scare them, awaken them, Lord, and bring them back to the place of submission to God and His law and His will. And help, we pray, that we might be instruments of salvation to others. Bless in this camp may help us to go home more fortified than ever to fight the good fight of faith. And we shall give you the praise for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.